Welcome to Grace at the Table, a podcast from Grace Community Church where we take culturally relevant topics and discuss them biblically and practically. You are listening to part three of a three-part episode on the Christian and politics here on Grace at the Table. All right, so moving to the next question. What insights or advice can you give for those in a close relationship that have wildly divergent, incompatible views that cause friction? I know. They're killing us today, aren't they? They're on fire it with is, the questions. You know, um, you know, when Jesus said, I, I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword and brother against sister, I, I don't know that this is what he had in mind, but... Uh, um, it's, I think it's really challenging. I, I know families personally that they can't have a conversation about these kind of things at the dinner table because there's so much uh, animosity and hostility around these types of issues. And it, again, I feel like I'm beating a drum here, but <laughs> what it says is these things have become too important in your world when you can't relate to someone else. Well, let me take it to a different place then, yeah. because, and I may be over-interpreting the question, but let me take it to somewhere we haven't discussed. So say you're dealing with someone where maybe, you know, the symptoms might point that it's clearly very important for them, but maybe you are trying to put this aside, but even in you doing that, there is still a tension because even if you're not trying to fight with someone, knowing the difference when this is important to someone else can create a tension that you have to then figure out how to deal with. And if you're seeking to honor the Lord in this, how do you handle that? Because now we're beyond just me trying to do what you guys have already talked about. There's the real life reality of what's still going to go on in the tension. Maybe you can't talk. Maybe you can't be in the same room because that person keeps bringing it to you and coming at you. So say you're in the I'm being attacked position on something like this, not doing the attacking. Because I think we've addressed the doing the attacking. Let's flip it. So how would you biblically try to have someone? I don't know that the principles change. you know, I think... Um, is this just listening? Is it just being humble? Like, what are we... Yeah. I'm not just looking at him. I'm looking at him because he's talking, but you too, too. I think your your goal as a believer is to always respond in a way that adorns the gospel. Um, and um, so, you know, appealing that you don't want to argue about these these things, you know... Whatever might make sense in in the context of that relationship as a way to avoid that, um, but because generally I think it takes kind of two to tango, <laughs> so to speak, and if you are humble and and seeking to, um, you know, be gracious and not attack and defend, and um, it's hard to argue. Uh, so, so I think, you know, ch- just try to be that kind of gospel person. And if you get attacked, um, you know, then bear under that because what you're trying to do is to represent Christ. Uh, and that's part of what he calls you to do. Sometimes there will be some sacrifice and suffering to do that. Now, you know, that that's not a complete answer that you know, solves problems for Mm -hmm. families that are together all the time and have these issues. Mm -hmm. But I just think all you can do is do what you can to be a peacemaker. 
And Romans 12, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with all. And How would you yeah. respond to people that sometimes, like I've heard people make the argument, um, if we look at Jesus' life, because obviously he was constantly being tried to you know, be tripped up um, and get into arguments with people. But he was very skillful, gracious, almost crafty to a degree, you know, in the words and the way that he would reply Jesus to people. crafty. Well, in a good way, she not in a it. slimy way, but like <laughs> he's, he's a wordsmith, you know, he knew how to handle that. Now, personally, I find the difference between him in some of those situations and us is he knew the hearts of man and we just don't know that. So it makes it very different when people try to compare those two. He can do something we can't, which makes it unique. But if people look at that as an example of how they can or maybe even should respond in debative, argumentative kinds of contexts with people who they don't agree with, do you think that's still in line with biblical principles and thinking, or would you well, feel like that's a bit of a twisting of a well, you, context? Yeah, because I, I would say you, you might be twisting some context because um, because I, I see the way time and time again Jesus responding to, um, it, you know, to rhetorical traps is kind of going after the person's heart, you know, redirecting the question back to their heart. Even in his most fierce, re, you know, rebukes of the Pharisees, you know, you brood of vipers and stuff, he's still weeping over Jerusalem. Uh, and so his his heart is love for these people. And then, of course, First Peter says, you know, gives us the model to follow of pointing, like, if you want to know what would Jesus do, it's when he, when he was reviled, he did not open his mouth, but entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. Hmm. So you do that. Okay. Other thoughts? I think the only thing I'd add to the question is there's obviously a lot of unknowns. Is this a boyfriend-girlfriend situation? Is this a marriage? Like, what are the situations? And maybe it's a boyfriend, girlfriend, maybe it is a, hey, maybe I need to take a step back for a little while. If it's a marriage and you're committed to be here, I think about things like 1 Corinthians 13 and what it means to love and, and love doesn't assist on its own way. Love bears all things. Like there's some strong commands in there um, to be patient, to be praying for them, not just to be the, the fixer, but to be the one that's just praying and letting God, do, are you trusting God to be at work in that person's heart? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the one caveat I'd give to that, if there is a situation where it's, it's, you use the word attack. And so maybe think of like, if it's a situation where you're That's being attacked choice, so much, yes. it almost leads to like verbal abuse. Mm-hmm. You may want to have to take some consultation with the pastor, something like that. Try and take, try and figure out what the next step is there. Mm-hmm. If it's not just sitting there and, and taking that again and again to the point of abuse. Yeah. One of the things I might add on this is, um, one of the things I've learned in my own life is that most of the time <clears throat> when I am involved in an argument, or an, I'll say an ungracious debate about something, um, 99 times out of 100, at least this is true for me, I am not representing Jesus' interest. That is not my motive in that moment. But I have found that my motive is I want to be right, and I want to be seen as right, and I want to be acknowledged as being right. <laughs> and that's what I'm fighting for in that time. And How's that go for you? Well, um, <laughs> I, I've tried to learn over the years that, because God kind of dropped this on me in the middle of an argument once, and he kind of spoke to me and kind of said, it, what's more important, you're, you're more concerned about being right and acknowledged as right than valuing this relationship. Mm. And that was kind of like a little 
um, wake up call. Yeah, a little wake up call that in God's kingdom, he, he wants me to value the relationship more than whether I'm right or mm. being acknowledged as right. And so if I can lay that down and be willing to let that go and find that, you know, my relationship with this person is more important, it'll help me navigate through that mm. conversation. That's good. Other thoughts? No? I'm going to move on. All right. What priority should we give to political matters related to biblical prophecy? For example, defense of Jerusalem and Israel. Are these matters of personal conscience or of obedience to God? Uh, I, mean, I, I do think that, that faithful Christians um, disagree about you know, matters of kind of eschatology. I think like kind of what they're referring to of like, you know, the, the place of Israel and end times and how you understand all that. That, that, would be, that would be one of those, of those three levels, that would be one of those kind of level two or like, I don't, I don't okay, know. Okay, because they're asking what's the priority? Yeah. Are they matters of conscience or obedience? So you're saying yeah, lot, level two out of a three tier yeah. system. Yeah, road. <laughs> I, I think they're matters of conscience because there, there's a ton of different legitimate views on uh, those kind of things. And um, um, I mean, even as a church here, we don't really take a position on eschatological standpoints. And we do classes at times where we teach the different viewpoints and that, so that people can kind of make up their own mind what they think. But there's just not enough biblical data to tell us kind of the details of those kind of things. So uh, I'd want to be respectful, but not make those matters of, um, you know, essentials. And I do think that that means because faithful Christians can disagree on, you know, what this revelation means or whatever, I do think that means that, that I mean, I, I have a position on those things. I'm sure, you know, as the, I'm sure the guys on the team all, all have, mm -hmm. but we try to hold that with some, you know, open hands and some humility mm -hmm. that, um, that I, I might be wrong in this. I might not understand all of this mm -hmm. and I'm willing to join hands with anybody, even if they disagree with me on this. Do you find there's diversity even within the pastoral team on matters like that? I'm not saying you have to get into displaying all of that, but I'm just curious. Have you found, what are you guys? I'm trying to think of it. To be honest, I don't know. I think it's been probably 10 years since as a pastoral team we kind of talked through this, and some of these guys weren't here 10 years ago even when we did that. But I want to do that now. I'm kind of curious. But if it were, you would not find that a major obstacle to the unity of the team? No, not at all. I figured as much. I was just asking. I like to stir the pot. All right. How would you advise Christians to engage in the political arena when our culture redefines previously familiar vocabulary, for example, tolerance, marriage, racism, and we do not speak a common language? Yeah, I think that, I think that question itself is really insightful um, because I think that highlights the, the need um, as the divide between sides widens, um, I think we have to be careful to define our terms and to define our own terms and also to ask for clarification from other people before we assume I know what you mean by that. And, that to me is the biggest thing. Yeah. You know, take time to listen and hear first, understand where they're coming from, understand what they're saying. That actually allows you to have an opportunity to 
clarify if needed, needed clarification and actually have a conversation where you're understanding each other rather than just speaking right past each other. Yeah, because that, that, I think that's the, the source of so much speaking past each other is we're using the same words and meaning different things. And I think if so often, if we could just stop and be like, well, what do you mean by that? Like, we, like, we might find that we're not that different, but even if we are really different, then at least we know where we're at. <laughs> okay. Ready to move on? Okay, this one's long. That's why I was like, are we ready? Okay, so I'm going to read the whole thing, and then I'll pop my head up. Yes, okay. Do you think, and again, I'm reading something someone else has written. This is not a reflection Gosh, of the people on the stage. I'm just going to read it. <laughs> this question does not reflect or represent well, my views. I'm just saying, this isn't my phrasing. I'm literally going to read what someone wrote. Do you think that one per... Do you think that one reason the church has not been more vocal in important issues that affect our culture and our children's future is because the bias of media has crept in? Could this be an intentional act of Satan to silence the church? Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, silence in the face of evil is itself evil. God will not hold us guiltless. Not to speak is to speak. Not to act is to act. What is going on in our country and world is evil. People are waking up to it. Why are some in the church so reluctant to address policies and laws that are in direct violation of God's word? I said it was long. Okay. Um, if I need to reread any segment of that, let me know. Yeah, because I, I, th I think there's, there's probably a number of different, different pieces there that we, could, that we can interact with. It's a good question. Because... Um, um, one is, um, so, so maybe one to just kind of say this to get this out of the side is again to define our terms and make sure we're talking about the same, the, the, the same thing. Um, is I, I do want to, as, you know, as a believer, as a pastor, as, as a church, I want to speak about issues of evil. And there is right and wrong. Um, but even as I think about as a pastor and my role standing here opening God's word. Um, I want to be really, really careful to only call evil what God has called evil. Mm -hmm. and, converse, and conversely, to not, I mean, certainly to not call good something that he has called evil. Mm -hmm. um, and so there are some clear things. And so even if, like, let's wade into some political stuff. Like, like um, I, I think scripturally it's really clear that the taking of an innocent human life in the womb is evil. Mm -hmm. And I'm not afraid to say that from the pulpit as, as you know, the preaching of God's word would, would dictate. Mm -hmm. um, God's word does not speak on the various pros and cons of certain economic systems. Certainly there's wisdom and stuff. I'm not going to call socialism evil from this pulpit because God's word doesn't. It's not to say it's not evil, it's not to say it's not wrong, but I'm constrained at, from this pulpit to only call evil what God has called evil. And so we've gotta be like, I wanna make sure that the number of issues that I'm dealing with, it's almost the same as like the one, two, three tiered system of mm -hmm. theology I wanna to bring to politics and, as well and say there are, there are only a few things that I'm gonna call evil. There are a lot of things that I think we can unpack and say are unwise and wrong and this is a better way and then there are a lot of things that we're going to disagree on mm -hmm. so just want to like in answering this question want to clarify our terms <laughs> i think one of the things that makes a question like this kind of come to people's minds is the the i don't know about uniqueness but the unusualness of kind of where we're at as a nation 
And what I mean by that is, you know, in, in the New Testament, these were pagan nations with no Christian framework at all that the gospel came into. So you were immediately kind of separated from the reality of the national cultural realities that were going on. In America, that's a little different because we've come from a, a, a you know, a, a background where the cultural values in America were not, and biblical values were not that far apart in- At least in some areas. In years past, yeah. Um, I think there's a, a much greater sense of feeling the change, mm -hmm. you know, that, uh, that, that things are changing in, in various ways. And, you know, and there's a drift towards what many people would say evil in certain ways. And I think we feel that. Um, the New Testament just never, never kind of really deals with that issue. Find me in the Bible where it says you're to stand up for, you know, something that's political or national, you know, um, as, as a Christian and stand against that. It's just not there. Now, yes, you're to stand for biblical truth and you're to be a, an influence and a, a representative of that truth in your life and your sphere of interactions. But you, I, I just don't see that call for the church at least to be standing against those kinds of things in the culture. Um, just doesn't seem to be there. Yeah, and, and so that's, uh, yeah, so it, it's really hard to, under, to, to know the best way to uh, apply in our own context, where again, as in a democracy, as citizens, we have a voice, and that gives us a responsibility to, you know. So, how how exactly that intersects with what you see in the New Testament? Basically, just assuming that you're in a pagan culture, and as the church, you're distinctive and live that out, and it's like, okay, well, how? And that's that's hard. And so, I think that should at least give us some humility to say, because this is hard and difficult to see the best way forward, as believers, we might disagree on this. And that's yeah. one of those things, we've gotta have charity of different conscience. But I think it goes back to the church's role is to teach the biblical truth around these issues and to equip the saints and to send the saints out into the world to be salt and light and to make a difference in whatever ways God provides them opportunity to. I think that's kind of how we stand against those kinds of things in the world we live in. Okay. So can, can you read the question again? I can. Do you, you want the mind? whole thing or do you want... Maybe like the, fir the first before half. Before the it. quote or after the quote? I'll, I'll break it up that Yeah, way. Go, go, to, go to Bonhoeffer and then stop there, yeah. Okay, so go before. <laughs> okay. All right. Do you think that one reason the church has not been more vocal in important issues that affect our culture and our children's future is because the bias of media has crept in? Could this be an intentional act of Satan to silence the church? I think there's no doubt Satan's at work in our world. That's very clear. We talked about that before. But I also know that he's not going to thwart God's plans in that process. And the kingdom will go forth, and that plan will supersede Satan's plan in that process. And I think that one of the things they brought up in the, in the quote was, or not in the quote, in the, um, 
Oh, can you read the rest of the question too? There's another part Do I want to add. Do you want the quote or the second yeah, yeah. half? It's beyond the quote. I, I got the quote. Just read post, post okay. quote. Is what is going on in our country and world is evil. People are waking up to it. Why are some in the church so reluctant to address policies and laws that are in direct violation of yeah. God's word? So my, my, the reality is that us as pastors and, and as individuals in the church, we are all fallible people. God's word is the infallible, th- perfect thing. So we want to speak where God's word speaks, as you said. And there's things that we'll do right, and there's things that we'll do wrong, and that's the mess of the church comes together to, to advance God's kingdom and God's purposes in that process. And there's no doubt, like I said, Satan's on the move. There's no doubt that we have God's plans even better than his plan. And so he'll work through all the little things, but I, yeah, I think that speaking where God speaks is what we're called to do, mm-hmm. not to address every little political issue out there. Yeah, and, and I think, and hopefully, may, maybe one of the things that, that could be illustrated by, by this conversation is, because I, I think... Part of the question is, like, there's a, there's a question of saying, like, are we, are we drifting off of base and off mission because we're not speaking on these issues, and is that default of the, you know, the liberal media or whatever? Um, and ho- hopefully, maybe one of the things you could gather from this conversation is that we are trying, at least, to be, as as fallible people, we are trying to, as pastors, to think through and navigate through this storm in a way that keeps us locked on our gospel mission, uh, like. I don't know how well we're doing at that. Uh, you know, you, you can be the judge of that, but that's what we're, that's what we're trying. And so, I, so I, I would say to at least that part of the question is no, I don't think that it's the bias of the media creeping in. Um, we, you know, we might have differences, maybe you know, this question person and us of how to navigate this, but we're trying our best to. So you're not making the choices you're making as a team based off of aligning with a certain news source or political agenda or anything no, like and, that. No, and, and even and even on the team, we're really politically across the spectrum. On the team, it's we're saying, okay, the gospel is our north star, and we're in this cultural storm. How do we keep? that in focus and we're gonna we're gonna mess up in ways we're gonna go this way and this way but that's our that's our our desire it's a gospel desire not a political or media driven thing and that's where like like we talked about end time stuff we can hold politics in loose hands being united with one another as brothers because the gospel is the thing that goes forward and that's the agenda that matters not the political agenda okay all right so i want to go back for something we talked about earlier we asked the question for what is your source of information? How much time do you feel is warranted to be informed but not consumed? We have a follow-up to your answer on that. Um, They want to know what is the answer to the source that you're recommending specifically? So what's the answer to the source? So like go to this news and that, not that news? I'm assuming that's what this is in reference to. Yeah, and, uh, you know, so this, like, I mean, like, like Don was saying, you know, in... If that's not correct and it's you and you're still listening, text and let us know because we will <laughs> if you have held we'll out this receive long, that, but I think that's you. what's happening. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's... I think part of it is, just, I mean, we don't have all the right answers in terms of, like, we're not... We, I don't think it's, let's say, fair to say, hey, like, this is the one news source. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the reality is there's the, the Bible. <laughs> the, the, mess, the mess of the news sources out there. Like it's helpful, like I said, for me to look at multiple different things. Other people, it's helpful to go to the local news source. There's not one perfect news source. I think some of the charts out there to kind of um, plot over like here's different news companies and here's how they lean. Mm-hmm. I think it's helpful so you can understand what are the things, some of the things that uh, where they lean and things like that. It can help you make informed decisions. But there's not one right news source at the end of the day. Yeah, and so so if I'm trying to give some like real like practical answer to that question as best as I can, 
um, yeah, other than Don's kind of suggestion of maybe local news is a good place to start, um, one practical suggestion I would, I would give is be intentional about, about seeking out news sources and opinions outside of your own bias. Um, so like if you lean this direction and you're kind of generally getting sources here, be, be really intentional about, okay, I read this, now I'm gonna go read this. Um, not because, not even necessarily because the truth is somewhere in the middle, but I think that's just gonna help keep us, if I can understand what the other side is, is thinking and feeling, how they're seeing that, that's just gonna help me be a balanced person and more informed person. Um, so, yeah. If you can do that with a, a genuineness of understanding, because that what that do. can produce yeah. is, I knew those people were just... <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's a good point. That's yeah, it's easier said than So <laughs> even that, one has to be cautious, because if you're on one side, then you're going to interpret the other side yeah. uh, in probably a negative way. Uh, it's, it's a yeah. tough challenge in the world we live in. It really is. All right. I'm hoping whoever asked that, that that's actually what you were trying to ask. If it's not, I apologize. We it did sound, our best. It sounded like they were looking for like the, the, the one pastorally authorized anonymous. news source. And we don't, yeah, <laughs> I mean, we, we probably can't provide that. But this house is news. <laughs> Sign go. up for the house news, gracecommunity.org. There you go. Eric, I'm surprised that you is make a that reliable plug. source <laughs> of what's going on. It's yeah. all you need. <laughs> Since this is anonymous, if you come back with something and you want to tie it to something else, do text and let us know what you want us to tie it to because that will help us make sure we accurately answer your question. Um, because I don't know, I'm done my best. So I'm sorry <laughs> if that was not it. You know, send us an email. We'll, we'll answer it, I promise. All right, last question. Are we ready? Yes. As Christians, how do we walk the fine line of politically correctness, that's in air quotes, and issues on both sides of the aisle while still displaying the truth and love of Christ while trying not to alienate those we are supposed to share the gospel with? One example, Black Lives Matter. Some say they're a Marxist, Mark, Marxist organization, while others say, how can you not support Black Lives Matter? So let me know if I need to reread the question. Really good question. Um, yeah, because it's I see, um, and because maybe the as the question continued, I was like, oh, they kind of answered what I was gonna say. Like they kind of said what I was gonna say. Um, I maybe I'll say this because I'm not sure what else to say. Um, even when it comes to a term like political correctness, I'd like to define terms to understand what we're to, what we're talking about. Now the question went on to kind of give some 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 examples because I think that there is a form of political correctness that um, that re requires you to to compromise on truth mm. um, and but there's also a form of political correctness that's I mean just like polite and caring and meeting someone where they're at like so if someone says that's an offensive term to call me like don't call him that <laughs> like it's like a, like that's not complicated um, if but if someone says that okay, you have to agree with this thing and say this and like, then I might not be able to. Mm -hmm. um, so like there are different kinds of levels of political correctness and um, truth and love. <laughs> I don't know if that's In particularly helpful. Yeah. I, 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 yeah, somebody else. <laughs> well, no, I, I mean, I think that's good, but um, <sighs> 
You know, I think we've gotten spoiled in this country as Christians because we've lived a fairly harmonious life with the culture and the political system, etc. There is no guarantee that, you know, that we're entitled to that. And I think as some of these things change, one of the things that seems to be changing is a growing hostility to a biblical worldview and the Christian faith uh, as it's expressed in a, you know, a biblical kind of sound way. Um, and we should probably face the reality that if we're going to live out being faithful Christians and, and even trying to interact with people in as loving a ways as we can, we're, there's going to be some hostility towards that worldview and the way we would see and understand things. And it shouldn't surprise us if that's the case. And so, yeah, we're, we're still to be those beatitude, gospel-centered, humble people in how we do that. But if you think that just doing that means that everybody's going to love you and think the best of you and agree with you, um, you're probably in for a sad awakening as time goes on here. You think about the gospel and you think about what Jesus said and some of the things Paul said, there's, there's really two guarantees that I will be with you and that you're going to face persecution. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That, that's pretty clear throughout the New Testament. Those are things that we will face as believers. And, and my, one of my things I've kind of harped on with society is I think oftentimes Christians I don't think are immune from this, that we think too simplistically. We, we think it's where it's, it's all good or all bad. And the reality is we all have a mix of those good and bad. So think about political things like the Black Lives Matter. Oftentimes it can be very easy to think simplistically and say, okay, well, Therefore, because this organization has these ties, therefore everything it does is bad. It's like, okay, well, for the average white person, they're going to hear Black Lives Matter and tie all those things together. You speak to the, a lot of African-American folks, they separate very much the organization from the saying, and, and they're able to parse certain things there that as a society we don't typically always parse. And so being able to parse through those different pieces and say, all right, is there good things here I can, I can learn from and grow from, and is there things that I would disagree with? And both those things can be true on anything mm -hmm. in the political spectrum. And oftentimes we, we think of it too simplistically of all good or all bad. And it's just not the case. It's not how humans are wired. It's not how the world is wired. It's, it's, there's always a mix of those good things and bad things in, a, in, in our yeah. motives, in our heart and everything. Which, which is exactly what we were exactly. saying about politics. Exactly. You know, there, there's good. There's things we would affirm. There's, yeah. there's things, you, you, you know, that are legitimate to do and be involved with. But there are some things that it can go wrong. And and so to like so practically with what, with what you're saying, I think that requires the, the the recognition that there's a whole mix of good and bad here, and um, should prompt us in humility to to say I I want to know where you're coming from and using this phrase, and and so can we be the kind of like driven by the gospel and to love enough to like to ask those kinds of questions, be humble enough to ask those kinds of questions, to not be afraid enough to enter into those kinds of conversations, to say, what do you mean when you say, when you say that? Like, do you support this? Do you support that? And like, to not be offended if someone asks me that, but like to be like thankful that we're having that kind of conversation. Like, that, like that's what we need more of. Well, and it talks about the idea of uh, affect their witness, I think. Is what yeah, they're talking about um, finding the right balance, I think, between truth um, 
and also not alienating those who are supposed to share the gospel yeah. with and be loving towards. Yeah. So, so one of the things I'm a firm believer in is the reality that the gospel will cause offense to the sin in our life. It's, mm-hmm. it's just the reality. But as believers, we don't necessarily want to add to the defense in that process. We want to be able to love and care for them. Even if we disagree with them, we want the thing that they're taking away is that, man, that person disagrees with me, but they love me. Yeah. If we alienate people, let it be because of truth and the gospel and not because of us. And, you, you and not because, maybe even, I wonder if you'd, if, if you'd agree with this, not e- and also not because of secondary political things that can get in the way of the gospel. Yeah, let's, let's, let's keep what's important important. All right. Well, any other comments on that final one? Thank you for listening to part three of our three-part episode on the Christian and politics here in Grace at the Table. Grace at the Table is a production of Grace Community Church in Kingsville, Maryland. If you enjoyed this show, please take a moment to like and subscribe and share it with a friend. If you'd like any more information about our church, please visit gracecommunity.org. Thank you.